everyone, this is Heather, and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Today's episode is isolation versus intimacy. It's time to electrically charge your life. So I always research back statements I make, and today in doing so, I stumbled on some research that literally took me back, and I can't wait to share it. So buckle up for this one, guys. Thanks for joining me. There's so much I want to tackle with this topic, but just to start off with, they've proven that chronic loneliness not only makes you sick, it can kill you. And emotional isolation is ranked just as high of a risk factor for mortality as smoking. So I was just going through the list also of all of the physical diseases that basically are either caused or worsened by loneliness. And it had things like obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, neurodegenerative disease, heart disease. Um, I mean, you name it, Alzheimer's. And the one that really took me back is cancer. And they were saying that tumors can metastasize faster in lonely people. Whoa, right? I mean, just imagining what all of the COVID-19 isolation did to us, just to think that this on top of all of that, ugh. So to just put some context around that, loneliness doesn't just mean being alone, just as being with others doesn't guarantee protection from feelings of loneliness. So it's really the actual emotion or the feeling that wreaks havoc on the body and the brain, not the actual social fact itself of being alone. So I just thought that was wild when you really put that in perspective. It just means that you can see somebody functioning in society and looking very much surrounded by other people, happy, content, and really internally they could be feeling so very alone and isolated. So that really makes you think twice before making assumptions about other people's feeling state. And you know, it also reminds me to just check in on my neighbors and check in on the elderly or grandparents and just a little more often make sure they're feeling okay. Um, and just, you know, being around them and having that conversation, even if it means you've heard the same story 50 times (laughs) and you sit and you listen and, um, you know, people just want to be heard. Maybe that would make everybody feel a little less lonely. I think it's really easy to say that most people recognize that there's lonely people out there, but I read about a survey published by the AARP in 2010, and slightly more than one out of three adults aged 45 and over reported being chronically lonely. Now, if you remember that quote I said at the very beginning about how being chronically lonely can kill you, one out of every three adults, 45 and over, is a little bit staggering, you know, when you hear those two statements put together. And the unemployed and the retired are lonelier than the employed, according to a survey, which I didn't find all that surprising. Um, I think just in general, being around people, even though it isn't the determining factor, I think being around others lessens loneliness, you know, I mean, just by the nature of the thing, (laughs) being around people. But it's not just about being around people, it has to be being around people who actually see you and hear you and really recognize where you're coming from, what you're going through. Surface level friendships are not what lead to, um, you know, feeling less lonely for sure. You need those in-depth conversations and feeling like, you know, there's somebody else that's just walking along with you and not judging you and not, um, you know, holding you to any standards, just seeing you for who you are, where you're at, um, all of those things, you know, um, 
researchers were trying to figure out what social factors sped up the progress of disease. And they tested things like socioeconomic status and levels of support. Uh, <laughs> you know, really just a fancy way of saying being poor or a lack of family and friends. And those factors didn't change the rate at which a person with a disease would die much. Although, guess what did? <laughs> being in mourning seemed to weaken a sick person's immune system. So, you know, that hits close to home for me, being that my husband passed away last year. Being in mourning can weaken a sick person's immune system. Wow. Um, <laughs> what do you do with that information? Well, <laughs> really what we need to do is figure out how to not let mourning become an identifying part of our identity. That's a big part of what I like to do with my grief coaching because you know, people really do hate that saying of moving on and I, I feel that <laughs> completely. And I always say it's not moving on, it's just figuring out how to move forward and take our grief, take our person that we lost or whatever it is that we're grieving with us. You know, figuring out how to move forward with it without it becoming our identity, without it just holding us back. Um, and I think in that, you can say that you're breaking free from that state of mourning, really. Because, um, I don't know, I guess, would I consider myself still in a state of mourning? I, if, if I answer yes to that, then yes, I will be in mourning for the rest of my life. Um, I like to think that I'm still grieving because that's a process that doesn't seem to stop ever. But um, I like to think that I'm, I'm now figuring out or have figured out how to, you know, effectively live life, enjoy my friends, enjoy my um, kids and, and do all of this stuff while still being able to miss the person I loved, but not, you know, allowing that to hold me back from still having those experiences. And I, I believe that if that's the point you get to where you're functioning um, without uh, this emotion or these waves of emotion taking over the majority of your day, <laughs> I like to think that that means that our immune system is sort of safe <laughs> in that way, you know, because it, it really does come down to when are you having these cortisol flushes and when are you, you know, are you living in that high state um, of elevated stress and grief and sadness all day long? What vibration are you carrying with you from the moment your feet hit the ground in the morning to, you know, your head hits the pillow at night? If it's a wave and you're constantly up and down, you know, I mean, I guess you average out somewhere in the middle, right? But uh, if the majority of your day is, is spent in that um, sort of just stuck point around grief, then yeah, I think you're probably making yourself physically sick. And if you can figure out how to, you know, carry on without, I mean, and covering it up is, isn't what I'm talking about here because I think all of us can very easily paste a smile on, get out in public and act as if, and that's not, that's not true to what um, our tissues and our body and our cells are actually experiencing. So that's not enough. You know, it's what vibrational state is your body in. Um, if you think of it as though, you know, the spectrum, and I don't know if some of you have seen this, where things like fear and, um, you know, loneliness and all of these things being at the bottom end, and then things like joy and, you know, ecstasy and 
all of these other experiences, gratitude are at the upper end, you know, where on that scale are you averaging out in your day? Um, and I definitely find myself having constant waves of grief wash over me, um, be it a song on the radio or a moment of silence where my mind drifts off. But um, they're, they're more of moments passing than an overall state of just you know, dis-ease, right? Not disease, but dis-ease, which leads to disease. And so, you know, I really am making conscious efforts to redirect. I think that it's really healthy and normal to experience those waves because that means you're not just tucking it away and, you know, trying to, to act a way that you're not feeling. But to have a way to quickly redirect when you find yourself in that state and so that you're not lingering there. Um, I talked about this recently with one of my grief uh, coaching clients and I discussed it as keeping that happy moment in your back pocket. It's the quick redirect approach for me. Um, As soon as I sort of feel it going to swallow me, especially at inappropriate times and moments, and um, I just keep that memory or that, you know, that fun, moment in my back pocket that I can draw on at any given time and sort of pull myself back into a an instant smile an instant you know joyful upper vibration and yeah so I feel like that's the healthy way to go about it because your body's responding to what's inside so you can put that mask on the outside but it's smarter than that it knows what's going on it knows how you're feeling so it's going to respond to that so when we're talking about keeping ourselves healthy and well Uh, looking at wellness in a different light and really just trying to see how is our mental state, our emotional, you know, all of that baggage, how is that affecting our physical health? Well, this is a big one. So now knowing that those emotions can cause physical illness, you know, these are reports and studies and actual research-backed stuff that they're, you know, they're saying to us, yes, this causes sickness and you have to have something to combat that you have to have something that you're ready to say nope that's not the space that i want to be living in Um, i go back a lot to meditation but starting your day off with a good meditation practice is a really great way to get really sticky with the positive vibrations for the day so that um, if the first thoughts that enter your mind in the morning are all around the worries of the day what you have coming up what you got to get done Uh, maybe a little bit of dread over something that's coming up that you didn't want to have to do. All of those things are just starting the outpour of the negative um, stress hormones that then, guess what, attract more (laughs) negative stress hormones to your day. So if you can find a way to make those first few seconds of the day matter more and have a bigger impact on your day, start off with some type of gratitude um, practice or just Um, I do visualization things where you can sort of picture this inpouring of like the positive vibrations and just letting out the negative stuff, you know, just continuously refilling yourself up with just good stuff and then be amazed that day as you watch, as you move through your day and see what good things tend to stick a little better and how much more easily you can let the negative things that happen to you roll, you know? I think there's just less negative stuff that shows up in your day when you start off in that positive state and positive um, frame of mind and expecting the good stuff instead of always looking for it and expecting bad stuff to start 
stacking on because when you look for it you're gonna find it it's not a it's not a big stretch to say that yeah what you're looking for you will find <laughs> so start looking for where's the joy gonna be in that day and then you're gonna find yourself having a whole lot more joyful stuff to you know smile back at you <laughs> so I was reading something by Judith Schulwitz in May of 2013 called the lethality of loneliness and she had reported on a postdoctoral student named Stephen Cole and he had found just um, looking at like experiences and um, just you know curiosity I guess of a postdoctoral student really uh, but it led him to some interesting findings about closeted men infected with HIV and they were dying an average of two to three years earlier than outed men so uh, this is really an interesting thing because he took it a step further and he dosed AIDS-infected white blood cells with norepinephrine, which is a stress hormone. And the virus replicated itself three to 10 times faster than it did in non-dosed cells. That to me is just so staggering. You know, and you really just think about how our bodies work and how they fight off disease. And even Cole himself was pondering if God wanted us to die when we got stressed. And he determined no. He didn't. He, he wanted us to not be alone. And natural selection has always favored people needing people, right? Humans are more social than most mammals and even most primates. And so they were talking about in this article about neuroscientists looking at our social brain and just over time and how things have always worked. But basically, I mean, even if you think about foods and how bitter foods are a turnoff to us and sweet foods are favored, I mean, that goes back in days, the early days of, you know, if you ate bitter things, it could kill you. So our bodies have just figured out how to respond to what it needs. And I don't think this is any different, but I do think it's a, just an astounding number. Like when you, that is just shocking to me. And I mean, again, not shocking as you know, because this is what I've been talking about nonstop, those stress hormones and what happens, but to see it like this, I mean, three to 10 times faster than in non-dosed cells, whoa, right? So, ah, I mean, it makes me reflect on absolutely every reaction I have to every single thing in this world because, yeah, I go back to this a lot with my husband and I know stress is big. It's big for a lot of businessmen and not just businessmen and women, but like, you know, there's we just put stress in ourselves in every aspect of our lives now. But wow, when you see numbers like that, it's just not surprising to me that, you know, even with all of the other lifestyle changes, but he's almost like the perfect st um, subject to study when you really think about it because he had every other thing. So when you do research, you always try to rule out other things that could be giving you your end result. Like the best way to sort of figure out like, is it really this, you know, is it X that's causing Y, you know, or you got to really dig and say what other factors could have contributed to it. But in my husband's case, he, boy, did he change everything. Exercise was not a factor because um, he regularly exercised and even to the point where we had a little mini trampoline in our house he was bouncing to keep the lymphatic flow going and you know we were walking every day and, and he was just athletically fit anyway but um yeah that part wasn't a factor 
then you look at um, you know diet and we had gone we had tried keto we had done vegan we had but at a certain point we were eating really a plant-based diet that was really really um, nutritious and organic and um, incorporating all the colors and looking at acidity and looking at blood type. I mean, we did all of the things. There wasn't one box we didn't check. We did juicing. We um, we tried everything on the list and the things that he responded better with, then we did more of. And the things that didn't seem to work, we backed off of. Um, water, we made sure, I mean, he was always a huge water drinker, but we made sure that we had probably, I think three filters that our water went through before it ever went into his body. And then beyond that, we were adding things to that water, things that were helping with just like cleanses and um, making sure he didn't have parasites. And we did everything. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding when I say this. He had so many supplements. He had um, all the right herbs. We did all kinds of different uh, mushrooms that had all kinds of benefits. And I'll get into those in another episode. But... Um, so he had all of the right nutrients going in. We made sure that uh, there was just nothing else. Like I really do pick this apart regularly, trying to say, okay, what worked, what didn't. Um, he got regular sleep. He was, I mean, he truly was very happy. There was all the factors were right and good and in line and his um, faith in God was huge and strong. And we prayed several times a day and Wow, I mean, even karmically, he was just putting out all the right good stuff to get the good stuff back. But, <laughs> the big but, right? So, going back again to hormones and stress, hormones and stress. These statistics just take me back, they really do. The virus replicated itself three to ten times faster than it did in non-dosed cells. It doesn't get any more clear than that. So, you know, you've got these... You've got some, I mean, AIDS infected, it doesn't, you know, that's, that's sick, right? I mean, and it replicating itself so much faster when you're adding just a stress hormone. I don't know. I'm just staring at it because I'm still like completely just taken back. And yeah, when, you know, him pondering whether God wanted us to die when we got stressed. No, I mean, I'm right there with him. I don't think that's the case at all. I don't. Um, and I love how he put it, that he just wanted us to not be alone. And it, and it makes sense on a lot of levels. Um, survival, yeah, but I think just because, you know, we're made to reproduce, we're made to be social, you know, beings. And he wants us, I think God wants us to have an, an enjoy, an, an, an enjoyful, a joyful life. And I think he wants us to enjoy, um, you know, everything we do. I think that we're all here for purpose, I do believe that. And I think whether we found it yet or not and check that box yet or not is, you know, it's different for everybody. But um, I don't think that he intends us to just be, you know, here and, and doing a, um, <laughs> a mission and not enjoying the journey, right? It's all about enjoying the journey. And a lot of us aren't enjoying the, the journey anymore. We're robotically, and I talked about this in a previous episode, but the, the robotic nature that we're in isn't good. It's not healthy. And this once again just proves that on a lot of levels, you know, just to see that is shocking. And I hope that it took you back as much as it did me when, when you heard it, because maybe I think sometimes we need to be shocked a little to really implement change, <laughs> you know? 
if you just if I had just said to you, oh yeah, well, you know, this test group did worse than this one, but I mean, three to 10 times faster, that's fast moving and that's major. And, you know, it, th there's nothing that just sort of sticks with you quite like reading something like that, especially when we're just talking about loneliness here. We're talking about, um, you know, people being with other people. Wow. Um, you know, it's, and the fact that, so we're connecting dots here a little bit, but like, you know, so now we know being with, around other people is improving our emotional state. It's lessening our stress. So therefore, right, not being lonely is obviously going to fuel health more than being lonely. But it's more than that even. Like I think it's about making sure that those stress levels stay down. And um, I won't continue to harp on this <laughs> too much on a regular basis, but I will always round back to it because my lesson learned in this experience was certainly that every bit matters. And um, when you see the research to back it up like that, yeah, it's worth talking about. They did some research in monkeys and they were separated from their mothers in the first four months of life. And some really important immune-related genes showed a different pattern of expression. And among those genes were ones that helped to make um, a protein that inflames tissue and genes that tell the body to ward off viruses and other microbes. So we now know loneliness, a social emotion, can reach into our bodies and rearrange our cells and genes what should we do about that? Like, shouldn't we be changing the way that we look at our health? So in school, you can't hit another student, but there are absolutely no rules saying that you can't exclude another student, right? From participation or, you know, the last kid picked on a, in a gym class, right? And it, now knowing that that can have, that can cause physical changes to a body, it makes you just rethink about everything. I think about our school system sometimes and we have so much potential to just do things so beautifully, and yet it feels so backwards to me. When I was in school, I remember having one month probably of my entire 12, 13 years of school, right? Kindergarten and then first through 12th grade, about a month that our guidance counselor worked with me to try to help me figure out where I wanted to go to college. <laughs> so, one month to suddenly, all of a sudden, now you have to put all of your focus in deciding what your future is going to hold, what you're going to do for the remainder of your life on this earth, pretty much. And I think I remember distinctly thinking about all these different professions. I remembered all the conversations I had with my parents about, you know, what jobs yielded more money or, um, you know, all these stories come into play when you start looking at what you're going to do for the rest of your life. I knew I wanted to help people. Physical therapy was at the top of my list, but I did remember my mother telling me that physical therapists made good money. And so that was like a factor too, I'm sure. Whether I wanted to admit it at the time or not, I, I have no doubt that came into play because you want to do well for your family. And But anyway, what I'm where I'm going with this story is just that when we are in the school and preparing for college or for the next step or for however we're going to contribute to this world, all of that time is spent on like statistics and learning like facts that so many of them aren't even used once you actually graduate. I get that it's developing our brains and it's, you know, helping us to, to just evolve and become, you know, more educated. But 
when I really think about it, I feel like there was so much time wasted there. And I really do wish that we could just shake up our school systems and look at it all a little differently. How beautiful would it be if from the time a kid entered into an elementary school, we looked at them and everything that they already are, not trying to fit them into a box, but looking at where are all of their beautiful gifts? One kid is an amazing artist. The next kid has this unbelievable ability to get on a computer and figure out how it works. Another kid can speak two different languages because, you know, they're coming from a bilingual home. Another kid might just have so much compassion in them, but they're terrible at handwriting and they can't sit still in their seat. But if you really take all of their gifts, how cool would it be if then we, instead of trying to put them in the box, we instead create you know, a box for them, like a, a place just for them where now we're going to foster those gifts. We're not going to waste their time like on the student who has terrible penmanship, but is a computer whiz and try to force him to learn cursive handwriting because cursive handwriting is not going to get him anywhere. It's not going to teach him anything. It's not going to help him to use his gifts that God gave him to contribute back to the world. What is fostering his already amazing God-given talent of this computer genius. So why not then say, well, where are his other gifts? Oh, he's also really good with the spoken word. Okay, maybe he could um, host workshops where he's teaching other people how to use computers. You know, he's using his voice and he's using his computer skills. Let's make those his areas of focus. We sort of get to that at the college level of like, but we let people sort of choose on their own at that point and we're all like a little confused ourselves. It was, what, are, what are our beautiful gifts and what do I have to contribute? Because it's all been sort of like, not brainwashed, but like, you know, we've all kind of been washed through the same washing machine of like being taught the exact same things. So it's almost like hard to identify everybody's own beautiful gifts at that point because we've just all gone through the exact same training in the exact same way and we don't even really know what we started with for skills, right? Because I think from very young, we know what we're good at. We know whether we're able to color inside the lines better than the next person. We know whether we have some ability to just be, you know, really calm around animals that other people get really nervous about. We know, we know what's special about us. And then time goes on and we're like, you know, come on, we got to study for this test. We got to learn how to put this in our planner. We need to, you know, dot our I's and cross our T's and make sure everything is very neat and everybody can read it perfectly and that you know where China is and you know what happened in 1812 and you know, uh, it's just amazing. It's like, why? <laughs> I mean, is that, if some of it's important, sure. But if there's one kid who's really, really keen on like political things and, and knows all of these things about presidents and has a really good interest in it, well then let's make that be a, a politician. Let's let that be somebody who just, you know, grows up understanding all of those laws and what they really mean. And like if they could start from the elementary level at getting all of that advanced skill and understanding, how much better could we actually be at our thing later on in life? And how cool would it be if we actually enjoyed what we did? That's like a whole nother novel thing. I mean, does anybody anymore really enjoy what they do? <laughs> That's sad to me. That's really sad. It kind of just breaks my heart to even think about. But boy, do I wish sometimes that our school system could just be so, so different and we could meet kids where they are instead of trying to fit them into a pretty little package, you know? 
it's just sad to me. And I know so many people right now struggling with what is my thing as a grown adult. And I feel like I know where that stemmed from. It stemmed from us forgetting as a society to just embrace kids for their beautiful differences and help guide them in those differences to become their own unique special person from a very young age. And I think that I'm trying as a mom regularly because I do fall victim to this because it's what society expects now. But um, yeah, just trying to embrace the differences and encourage them in their areas of genius, their beautiful differences and just, you know, really celebrate the special uniqueness of them and not worry so much about, you know, what college they're going to get into and whether they'll be able to be, you know, a lawyer sitting at a desk, probably miserable, (laughs) you know, 15 years later. Oh boy. Yeah. So on that note, I think I'm going to take a quick break and I'll come right back. I just want to make a quick mention in case anybody follows me on Facebook that I have recently changed my username from at can you cure cancer to at simply healed with Heather Leonard. Um, and I also wanted to let anybody know that might have interest in having their company advertised during one of these quick minute breaks in the middle of my podcast to reach out to me. It's Heather at can you cure cancer.com just send me an email and let me know. All right, guys, right back to the show. Thanks. Electricity is everywhere, even in the human body. Our cells are specialized to conduct electrical currents. Coulomb's law is the force between the two electric charges reduces to a quarter of its former value when the distance between them is doubled. To me, this just means that if you start pulling away from something, that charge decreases. The electric charge actually decreases. So knowing that human beings can be an electric charge Uh, You know, we have elements in our bodies like sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium that all have a specific electrical charge and almost all of our cells can use these charges. It just makes me think that almost all of our cells can use the charged elements called ions to generate electricity. And I don't know about you, but for me, I, I tend to like you want to draw in what you want, right? So let's just talk about law of attraction. This is where it gets really kind of juicy and fun is that if you want to draw things closer to you, but you're moving away from them, it's not going to happen, right? And when you think about just your, your goals of a healthier life, uh, of being less stressed, of being happier with your job or whatever it is, trying to move more towards the things that you want is going to give you positive results. It's kind of that simple. So I was talking earlier in this show today about just when your feet hit the ground, making sure that your first thoughts of the day are positively charged thoughts just to draw in more positivity into your day. Well, here we go, putting that into action in an actual law of physics with this Columns Law. It really is a fact that if you are pulling away from something, you're gonna decrease its charge, right? So. We don't want that, right? In other words, we have to come together. Screw the isolation, right? <laughs> if we if we want more people around us, we need to put ourselves out there. We need to be around more people and it will naturally draw more people to you. So similar to like, I've had to do this myself with just social media. I hated social media, I'm gonna be completely honest. But um, I kept saying I didn't have enough of an audience to do what I wanted to do and to get my, um, 
you know, my voice heard and this message out there. And that was my biggest holdup was like, nope, no one's going to hear me. I don't have an audience. Well, why didn't I have an audience? I didn't have an audience because I was hiding and I was like not wanting to put myself out there on social media, not wanting to stand up and say, hey, this is what I have to offer. And guess what happened when I did? People naturally came to me. I already had a paid client before I even asked for a paid client. So as soon as I started being visible, it came. So it's just, I'm bringing this up because I think it's very, very easy to stay in a state of saying, well, my situation is different. It's, this isn't going to work for me or I've tried this and it hasn't worked. But if you truly think about, have you been coming closer to the things that you want? So if let's say I wanted to, cause okay, I'll use an example of what I actually do want to. I want to just use a personal example. Um, I'm going to be hosting a big class coming up uh, between Labor Day and Thanksgiving. I want to bring in a bigger group of people to do a group coaching instead of just the one-on-ones. I want to do this as a group because we can support each other in that space, right? So I want to have more people coming in and what am I doing to make that happen? So if what my actions are is I'm staying at home and I'm thinking about the want of the thing, I'm going to find myself still wanting the thing because that's what I'm drawing in and that's what I'm putting out there close to myself and that's what's going to then attract more of that. But if my everyday action steps are more of working towards that end, so every day I'm creating um, a web page for it, I am you know, saying something today in my um, podcast about it, I'm sending out an email to a couple friends, I'm commenting in a couple people's message boxes about what I have coming up that I know have recently lost somebody. Every single one of these actions is literally increasing the charge because I'm not pulling away from it, I'm moving more towards it. So I'm bringing this up because I want you guys to, every time you walk away from one of my podcasts, walk away with an action step to take a homework assignment, so to speak, of something you can do to just see things in action in your life, getting better. And whatever the thing is, whether it's you wanting less stress, well then stop moving towards the things that give you stress. Start pulling away from it to decrease that charge. Start moving more towards and increasing the charge of the things that bring you the opposite of stress. So whatever things give you total peace, start moving towards those things. And the more you move towards those things that give you peace of mind, that give you the calm state that you're desiring, the more you're gonna have of that. Because guess what? That charge will increase. So I love using these laws of physics um, to my advantage of showing you how it happens. And some of this might have been boring to you today, guys, because I know that I really got into a lot of the science behind it. But this one was one that I feel like a lot of people think it's not tangible. It's just is one in the spectrum of woo-woo, let's say. Law of attraction is something that a lot of people have seen the secret. They've heard the concepts, but yet they still don't put it fully into practice because it's kind of like theoretical to them. And I don't think it is. I think there's physics behind this and there's reasons that it works. And the more you start to understand that for at least a lot of the type A um, people out there or just people who really like to understand things before they go along with it and you really got to immerse yourself in the science on things like this because it's a little tricky sometimes to understand it but you know we're talking about electricity and magnetism and all of these things like electrical charges and columns law I mean it's important and then these research articles and the researchers out there that are 
digging a little deeper, I mean, that's kind of how Einstein worked, right? He didn't just accept what he saw. He himself says he wasn't all that brilliant. He just quite literally was brave enough to ask the question. Like, that doesn't make sense. Why is this compass always facing north, right? If you start asking yourself those questions constantly and then take the time to look it up and try to figure it out and piece it together. Well, I know not everybody has the time to do that, but that's what I'm doing here with this podcast is I'm going to constantly question how are these things working? Why does this, why does the law of attraction work? Why, how is this manifesting stuff supposed to be, you know, it just sounds like I don't have time for that, (laughs) but I have time to set my alarm clock for, you know, 15 minutes earlier in the morning. If it means that the rest of my day is going to be fully charged to see positive things coming my way and to repel and literally um, decrease the charge of all of the negative stuff. If there's a way to do that and just take 15 extra minutes in the morning to do so, I'm raising my hand for that. (laughs) And I think some of you might feel the same way. So, But the only way we ever raise our hands for things is when we really understand it. Because if not, it's like, well, yeah, that's it's, it's a concept then. It's a theoretical. It's a maybe that could work. But this is actual, factual, research backed. And I'm telling you right now, all of these elements are in our body, the sodium, the potassium, the calcium, the magnesium, they have electrical charges. This is real stuff, guys. We're talking about ions generating electricity. We are talking about how this in our body can actually work with, you know, the law of attraction, what's going on here. I think that trusting it and having faith in it is one thing, but now start taking actual action steps because once you can see it now happen, I think once you see it appear in your own life in a positive way, then the light really goes on. Then I think it's much, much more easy for you to say, oh yeah, I have time for this. I mean, because, I mean, you could work half as hard and get way better results in a day if you start off on this foot versus starting off your day in a negative space and then you could be spinning for, you know, you could work a 20 hour day and still not get the same out of a day as you could getting like, you know, just a few hours of really good, really dropped in into alignment energy, right? So when you're coming at something from the right space, you're going to get better results. And at the end of the day, that's what we all want. Nobody wants to be pedaling in place. It's very frustrating. You know, and in a room full of other people, now you got to consider all these other energies. It's really easy to let the person in the corner who's sitting there whispering and making comments and, you know, and they're out of alignment to let them shake you up. And you have to be able to repel that stuff. You have to be able to recognize it, move away from it. Um, Or recognize it and let it roll even more beautiful because you can't just keep blocking, blocking, blocking. I think it was Abraham Hicks I listened to this morning was even talking about this. And it's when you really know you're in a good place of alignment because you can't just keep blocking. You'd find yourself literally isolated in a room um, by yourself. And that's not what we want. That's not the experience of life to be blocked out, you know, from everything else so that nothing can mess up your good vibration. That's not, that's not the way to do it. But, um, to be able to have people like that in a room and not have it affect your vibration and bring you down. If anything, it's like, you can recognize it now more so you can not let it affect you in your day as much. You can see it and you can, maybe even just end up positively influencing their day. Think about how powerful that is. If instead of just like, you know, I'm not gonna even let that affect me, if we're gonna take it even a step further and say, not only am I not gonna let this affect me, I'm gonna affect them. 
that's really powerful because now you've got a room full of people that if everybody was in alignment, imagine that next you know meeting that you went to, every single person was dropped in and in a good positive space and uh, you know without all the excuses and the fluff and the you know <laughs> resistance and all that garbage if every single person in there was just fully in alignment and who they are and their best version of themselves so that's where really a, a business could be super not not just profitable but like enjoyable imagine if you could enjoy your job and be around a lot of other like-minded people also enjoying their job leaving a positive footprint i mean that would be really the end all right like the cherry on top so that's kind of what i'd like you to get out of today's message is just we gotta understand this is real we want to make sure nobody is isolated nobody is removed from this social experiment <laughs> that is life right we're all together in this nobody's getting excluded we're all dropped in together in our best versions of our best selves I mean, intimacy is in the title today too for a very important reason. These relationships can't just be superficial. They have to be deep. They have to be where you feel connected, you feel seen. You're making those intimate connections. You're not afraid to have who you are be shown. And when you make those connections, I think that's what intimacy really is, right? When two people are being their full authentic selves and totally dropped in and without having to put on all the facades and the covers and the masks and you know just their true self out there and then they have a relationship with one another that's intimacy so i think if we can reduce the isolation now think about life as one giant charge of electricity right and wanting to increase that electrical charge bringing two things closer together bring whatever it is you desire closer to yourself every day at every given point and not only you know not allowing negative things around you to negatively impact you but i'm just asking you to take it a step further beyond what um, some of these amazing other people are talking about out there and go a step further beyond instead of just not letting them affect you when they're in a negative space but just embracing them and letting your good positive vibes sort of seep into them that's the special sauce right there, right? Let's get to a point where now we want to leave a mark on this world that we can be proud of, one where we made other people around us better people for it, for having us in their life, not worrying about, um, you know, their, what, you can't control them anyway. I mean, let's really think about this. You can't change how somebody is. You can't change what their past experiences in life have been that have led them to be who they are and their personality. I don't even think you'd want to. How boring would life be if we were all the exact same, right? So, I mean, let them be who they are, but try to bring out the best version of them as well. That's, you know, I'm trying to do that with my boys, but I'm trying to do that with myself. I'm trying, I'm trying to just, you know, and I, I wear a smile on my face and it's not a mask. It really is. I'm finding more and more joy every day. And I will continue to say this, I am still sad. I am definitely still sad. You don't lose the love of your life and a year later be smiling and happy and bouncing and, and that be you know a true authentic um, thing. But when you see me smiling and bouncing and happy, that, that is a true authentic thing. It's just that it, it's not 24 seven. I've just learned, I've taken this advice myself and I've really applied it to my life. And when I feel myself going there as i said before i have something in my back pocket 
I don't let myself stay in that low vibration long at all. I can recognize it now so, so quickly that I immediately bounce myself back and am able to just go on my way. And I'll keep forgetting whether I've shared this with you guys. Of course, if you haven't listened to any other podcasts, but this one, you might have to go back and take a listen. But I, I recently had a very cool experience and I can't remember if I told you guys or not, but I used this in action had a big no that made me really bummed out. I didn't let it phase me. That no turned into an even bigger yes. And the bigger yes literally came back at me with the exact words I said out loud. I said, they're saying no because boop, 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 and put some positive little spin on it. You know, within, I would say within the half an hour for sure, because I got online and I was in a, in a class with this other woman who had us doing some meditation and all these other cool things that had me just really dropped in and feeling really good energetically. And I looked at my phone, the call had come in. I had, the no was a yes. Not only was it a yes, my exact words were put right back at me on um, a voicemail saying exactly what I said I wanted to hear. It's just beautiful. When you see it really start to come to life, it's magic. And I don't think you'll ever regret it. I certainly know that there's nothing, nothing negative that can come from trying to put some positivity into your day and attract more positivity and bring everybody along with you. So I'm glad you came along with me today on this little adventurous ride through the textbooks of, oh boy, yeah. (laughs) Hopefully somebody is still with me to the end today because I definitely did take you back to high school a little bit, but I'm so glad I did because I feel like we got through a lot and I hope that just like me, when you see some of those statistics and you hear some of the, you know, laws of physics around it, that you're, that part of your brain that needs that to to get to understanding gets there a little easier. (laughs) So as always, thank you for joining me on Simply Healed with Heather Leonard, and I can't wait to see you guys in my next episode. It's going to be a good one. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye.